0: You're listening to Girl Talk, a podcast for girls, hosted by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Girls are go-getters, innovators, risk-takers, and leaders. As the premier leadership organization for girls, Girl Scouts sets the standard. Girl Scouts is the girl expert, and in a world full of challenges, we're in Girl's Corner. In this episode, we're talking with the founders of Midwest Dirt Legion a writing club for cisgender women, gender nonconforming, and transgender mountain bikers. So we're all on the same page. Transgender and gender nonconforming are terms that describe the gender identity of people who don't identify as the sex they were given at birth. And cisgender, or cis, describes the gender identity of people who do identify as the sex they were assigned at birth. All right, let's get into it.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Hannah, and I'm here with Idell. Hey! And today we're welcoming two guests to the podcast, Ash Murray and Steph Ike. Ash and Steph are the founders of Midwest Dirt Legion, a riding club for cisgender women, gender nonconforming, and transgender mountain bikers. Ash also works with Girl Scouts River Valley's Girls in Gear Mountain Bike Program, teaching Girl Scouts technical skills and taking them out to tear up the trails on our new mountain bike course at Camp Elk River in Zimmerman, Minnesota. Ash and Steph, welcome to Girl Talk. Hey, guys. Hi. Thanks
0: for having us. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for being here.
1: We're excited. And, you know, we're really excited about the mountain bike program that we started. And it kind of relates to what you guys do because you have this this club um, that's for kind of specific identities and people. So tell us a little bit about Midwest Dirt Legion.
2: Midwest Dirt Legion has been around for just about three years now. Steph and I started this group because we wanted to build more gender equity in the mountain biking scene here in the Twin Cities. Um, So we do skill sessions uh, where we teach like mountain bike technical skills. And then we also do like group rides. And we've done a couple out of town events
3: we also we also do some advocacy, so bringing equity into our community and through like social media, just sharing tools and whatnot. So, not only are we mountain biking and having fun on the trails, but trying to do some broader work too for the folks that aren't local to us.
1: How did you guys get started? Like, what sort of was the inspiration, or what what was the story of getting Midwest Dirt Legion started?
3: It's kind of a fun story. Tell it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ash and I, for whatever reason, we started mountain biking at relatively the same time. However, we weren't like that close of friends at that moment. We had met in the cycling community in Minneapolis doing other things. Actually, we we raced on a velodrome in Blaine and then had done some uh, street riding to Alley Cats, if people are familiar with it. So we're, you know, it's coming to the spring, we're like a year into mountain biking and we're both like, oh, we really want to, you know, focus on our skills. What can we do? And we start looking for mountain biking opportunities or clinics and they're super expensive. They're not in Minnesota and they're very focused on cisgender ladies, you know, not inclusive for other folks. So we're like, all right, well, what can we do? You know, I'm thinking like, oh, I can just pull up a YouTube video and we can mess around in the park with some friends. And meanwhile, I didn't even know this, but Ash was looking to like pull some group rides together. And So I popped something out on Facebook like, hey, um, I want to practice some skills. Who's into it? And this post went like wild in, in my friend group. And I did not know previously how much need there was or desire for this type of thing pulled some people together. Ash and I were diving, and soon we were, we had volunteer coaches that were BICP level two coaches and people interested in our clinics and we sold out. And I put quotes around that sold out because we offered these clinics for free. But we you filled full, your registration. <laughs> we filled the registration. It was so awesome. And then the next year we, I actually got certified in BICP level one and we were able to repeat that and build on it. Yeah.
0: What does BICP mean? Oh, that's the, uh, the um,
2: bike instructor certification program. Yeah, yep. yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's just like how coaches get certified to be coaches. So,
3: right. Yeah. So there's like two two main ones, and then they're they're one of them. Yeah. So when this thing started like to blow
0: up, and lots of people wanted to get involved, like were the two of you kind of like oh. <laughs> Like now we have to seem like we like have our stuff together.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that we still feel like that a lot of the time, um, which is totally fine and to be expected. I think because yeah, we just thought that we were gonna like learn mountain bike stuff for ourselves and maybe hang out with our friends, and then we were like. Oh, we, like, started a business. (laughs) Kind
3: of a happy accident that (laughs) worked.
2: Yeah. Like, the logistics really ended up falling into place super naturally, which is something that Steph and I, like, I don't know, like, gush about often is that, like, Steph and I fell into our roles really well. So I do a lot of our, like like social media stuff, or I pay attention to like the email inbox and work on marketing and that sort of side of Midwestern Legion. And then Steph is really good at making sure that we have insurance or any of our like (laughs) online technical stuff that needs to happen, like calendars and registration. And, you know, she like set up the bank account for us and... Yeah, that was really cool that we just like naturally found those roles and we're like, great, <laughs> we got this now. But yeah, there there still will be times where like, you know, we're maybe on the trail together or independently. And, you know, we might not even be in the city and someone be like, oh, my gosh, Midwestern Legion, I know you guys. And we're like, whoa, really? Nice. <laughs> like, how do you Amos. know who yeah. we are? Yeah. Like, cool. So cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's got to feel really good
2: yeah it's a uh, it's something it does feel really good, you know it makes it at least makes me feel like like the work that we're doing is like recognized and necessary and all that jazz, yeah.
3: yeah, and we even in our first sessions, you know, just as we sort of branched out our first sessions were more of our friends, and so you know our personal friends, and so they were super supportive, and a lot of them are organizers in the background or activists in some way and so they understand what goes into pulling off what we did and so that was really cool for them like at the end of a session to be like hey I see you like I see all these details you thought about and like this was awesome and super appreciated and getting that you know on top of the people just leaving the session being like holy cow I feel so much more of a confident mountain biker now and then coming back to us and being like, I just went on my first ride by myself and I crashed. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to get out again. It's just like, wow, like that feedback is what drives it, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Passion. So.
0: Like, so Ash, you said like that you realized how necessary it was. I think that kind of like rolls us into our next question.
3: Yeah. So you guys had a
1: great response when you got started. What do you think drew people to it? Why is it important to have the space specifically for cisgender women, gender nonconforming, and transgender mountain bikers? Why why is that important?
2: You know, I personally am like really passionate about having intentional spaces for like, a diverse set of genders, I guess. And I think that we're, we, have like, Steph and I have personally seen that in other areas of cycling as well. So we're just trying to, like, get local mountain biking, like, caught up to that place, I think. You know, Steph had mentioned that her and I used to ride bikes at the Velodrome, um, which was in Blaine. So, like, track bike racing which is very different from mountain biking. Oh, awesome. we yeah, it was great. <laughs> you know, there was a big push there for the the FTW field, which basically means anyone who doesn't identify as a cisgender man or like doesn't want to be in the men's field. So we learned you know, we learned about like what that gender representation looks like at the velodrome, you know, of five or so years ago, whenever we were doing that, you know, so we had like a really good understanding of what that environment kind of looks like. And we're able to bring it into mountain biking. You know, Steph mentioned that we also like used to do alley cats and another local organization that's done super great, like gender equity work is Grease Rag. So we, you know, learned a ton from them in like all the events and advocacy work that they do so we saw that there was like a local interest in this type of program and again we just like brought it to the mountain bike aspect of cycling
1: yeah that's awesome and what what do you guys think what makes it you kind of touched on this just now Steph but what do you think makes it different from clubs that are for women or even clubs that are, you know, gender inclusive, completely like maybe they include men? What What's special about this format?
2: I think that we're special because we are kind of this like little baby group that really accomplishes a lot. So I think when you come to a Midwest Dirt Legion event and like, you know, Steph and I are at every event, right? Because there's mm-hmm. not that many of us running the show. I don't know. I think it feels really like familiar and really welcoming. You know, if you know who Midwestern Legion is, you probably follow us on Instagram. And so you've seen Steph and I on our Instagram many times. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that, you know, you can walk into one of our events and sort of feel like you know us or at least like can recognize us and... Yeah, we're like not professionals in this. So we're just sort of like (laughs) goofing and having a good time and like figuring it out as we go, which I think makes it, it's like not intimidating at all, right? We're just like real people (laughs) just showing up, trying to have a good time and like get other people out there too. But
3: yeah, it's, you know, we're really authentic, I think, is ultimately what it comes to. And when people show up who really make an effort to host and welcome, you know, hi, my name is Steph, you know, my pronouns are she, her, and we just start this conversation like very personal. You know, I run through like what to what they should expect for the day. And then we do have a safer space policy that we've written up that we just ask people to read and sign it kind of like a birthday card you know, rather than this like big contract, just to like, yep, we're all in it together here. And I think that's one thing that does set us apart from other mountain biking programs is that we're really intentional about the language and making sure that everybody understands that this is, we are going to be intentional about the language. We are going to, you know, we want you to feel safe here and respected. And if there is something going on that, that, for whatever reason that that isn't the case, we're going to address it. And so I I think that that in and of itself helps like just people recognizing that, that intentionality. And then, and then we start, you know, we start at the, for our beginner clinics, we, we really start at like, here's your piece of equipment, you know, let, let's check out like your brakes, how your fingers are. And There's been a lot of aha moments for people who have never mountain biked before that are in our clinics and those that have had a lot of mountain biking just on some of these things that, you know, somebody else, if you're riding with your buddy, for example, might be, you know, they might just like spit out some tips, but they're way beyond or they they don't have, they don't sometimes have the like stepwise progression to then just spit this tip out, which might be correct, but somebody might not be able to fully Understand what that person is saying without having, you know, the first step sort of understood.
0: And, and you kind so, of always start with those first steps, so people don't have to feel like they need to say that they don't know anything.
3: Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. Or try to like read the crowd. You know, we really you know try to understand what people's backgrounds are, and you know, I think Ash and I, because you know, we we do approach this authentically and kind of you know goofy. Hopefully. What we're also doing is creating a scenario where others can just be like, "I'm going to raise my hand and say this thing that you know maybe in other situations might be the you know quote dumb question or something like that."
1: Yeah, I hear a lot about intentionality and like being thoughtful about language, being thoughtful about how you structure the program and things like that. And I think that can that that makes sense that that's like a special experience because we've talked about on our podcast before about how some portions of like outdoor recreation can feel exclusive or difficult to get into, that there's costs and and that the culture might feel a little exclusive because of, you know, certain brands that people need to get or around gender things like male dominated, that kind of thing. So it's really cool to hear about kind of a, a group of people that are intentionally sort of addressing those things so that people feel welcome to get started because we do have another episode just kind of about like just trying a new outdoor thing you know what I mean like and it might be just taking a a short hike or it could be like you've already done quite a bit and you're ready for the next step kind of thing so maybe you've done some biking you're ready to try mountain biking but I think like spaces like that is that's what people need to get started so it's really cool
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there for sure can be a lot of barriers to entry into new sports. And yeah, we really try to see like what those barriers are. And can we make them lower for you? It
1: kind yeah. of relates to our next question. We're doing so good with our transitions, y'all. <laughs> it's like nice. it's just perfect. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> because we wanted to talk too about your experiences with the mountain bike community as a whole. So you have your Midwest Dirt Legion, but there's this larger community that's a part of. What do you feel like the, the culture is like in that, in that mountain bike community as a whole?
2: I don't know. I feel like I got really lucky when I got into mountain biking that I already had friends that were doing it and that were like super chill and understanding. So like, I don't know. I felt like I was going out for my first few rides with people that like were really non judgmental of me, which was really great. And yeah, I definitely had like many helping hands getting me into mountain biking. That being said, like, the longer I've been mountain biking, I think the more that I notice like toxic behavior when I'm other places. There was a trip that I took last summer and I won't say where I went, but it was a lot of like elite level, like cis male, younger riders in that area. And it was my first time at this particular trail system. So I was still trying to figure out like where I'm supposed to be going, like where the trail (laughs) is, like, you know, navigating the area. And the whole time I felt very much like I was this outsider that was not supposed to be there because like those trails weren't built for me and these people didn't know who I was. And I don't know, I just like wanted to leave the whole time. And I was like, I can't believe that I drove all this way and like paid all this money. For these people to just like, I don't know, like literally tell me that I'm like in their way on the trail. And I was like, oh, gross. Okay. Yeah. Right. And you know, that came like a few years into my like mountain bike experience. So that's why I say I think that like I am kind of lucky that I haven't had a lot of those more like toxic or macho experiences that I know happen and that I know other people have experienced. I don't know. What do you think, Steph?
3: Yeah, I think my experience is fairly similar. I recognize that I've come to mountain biking with quite a bit of privilege. You know, I'm comfortable walking into most mountain bike shops and just, you know, starting a conversation with whoever is working there. Um, and often I'm riding with with some gear that like if somebody were to be judging me based on my gear, they probably will see that I'm a fairly serious mountain biker. So I think that sometimes I get removed from some of those experiences that others might have. But I will say one experience that like really threw me off and it's just, I haven't really thought about these <laughs> in a in a while, but when we were starting Midwest Dirt Legion, I had actually reached out to somebody locally for information or not for information, but sort of like, Hey, we're starting this. Like, you know, what does this mean? If like, you know, permits or whatever from, um, and I will definitely not mention who this person is either, but at the, this person talked, talked and talked and talked at me and never asked a question about what I, what I was doing. And at the end, I was like, well, you know, here's my intention. And he was like, you'll be lucky if you get six people. And it was such an eye opener that he was, he took an hour to spit out all this information that he had without ever understanding what background I had. And then told me that I wasn't going to succeed or or, or that there wasn't a need for what Ash and I were talking about. And
0: which was clearly um, not true once you got into yeah,
3: it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so it just really, that was kind of an eye opener to like, if this particular person as a local coach and program leader doesn't recognize that there's this population that has this need, how many others don't get it or like don't understand the experience of another so, yeah, I, that was, that, that was mind-blowing. But one thing I try to do with our, our folks when they come to our clinics is really, you know, we talk about the etiquette on the trail. And, you know, likely if you're new or whatever, at some point, you'll, somebody will want to pass you on the trail for whatever reason. And so we talk about that etiquette of, like, you know, they should announce their pass. And then, you know, when it's safe for you, and I try to emphasize when it's safe for you and you're able go ahead and pull over and let, and let them through, but also recognize that, or, and recognize that, you know, if they don't do that very well, or it's kind of aggressive, and they might make you feel like in some cases that, that your experience on the trail isn't as valuable as theirs. That is not, that's not true. Like you, you get to, I wish I could put the right words to to articulate this, but like everybody's experience on the trail is just as valuable as the other person's. And, you know, I, I even try to go out of my way to support somebody else while I'm passing them because they probably are newer or, you know, nervous on the trail. And I just want to make sure that they know they're welcome here and that, that they should be here too. Yeah, because yeah. I think some people go, you know, they, they'll they just like cruise right past somebody or push them off the trail or, you know, I, I coach, I've coached for Little Bellas and I have a, a 10-year-old daughter as well. And, you know, some people can be really aggressive and then scare these kids off the trail. Mm-hmm. So
0: That's, gonna, that's not going to make them want to start a lifelong relationship with mountain
3: biking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just, yeah, validating that that experience might exist. But that hopefully is not common, although I think in some areas it's more common than others, unfortunately, right. yeah, that had me
2: thinking about like, you know, stories I've heard of people getting sort of like run off the trail. and uh, like Steph and I don't really race mountain bikes. Like we have done some mountain biking races, but I think primarily downhill, where you're spaced out anyways. so yeah, it reminded me that I feel like I've heard about those stories in that like cross-country race environment Mm -hmm. where people, yeah, are really like, I don't know, trying to get the best time in their local race circuit. Um, Yeah. And that's maybe also why, you know, I personally don't get like, yeah, sort of run up on real quick is. And I'm not really trying to go that fast now, put myself in an environment <laughs> where everyone's trying to go real fast around me. Yeah. It yeah. does re- kind of remind me of
1: stuff that we talk about at Girl Scouts about sort of taking up space and like knowing that, y- yeah, you, like you said, your experience is just as valuable here. Like you have the right to be here, even if you're newer, even if you haven't done it before. And so, yeah, kind of it, it just kind of reminds me of that about what we talk about at Girl Scouts about just encouraging people to take up space and I think when you're looking at groups of people that are sort of in the gender minority in a sport, that's really important. So it's cool that that Midwest Jerk Legion focuses on allowing people to do that.
2: For sure. Yeah, I feel like yeah, for folks in the gender minority like you said, that's definitely like a good like lesson to be reminding yourself. I don't know. I also think that like cycling can be really like elitist. And, you know, there's this idea that like, if you don't have like the right bike, the right clothes, the right shoes, the right snacks, like whatever, Mm -hmm. that like your you as a cyclist is like lesser than those folks that have all these other things. And that's not just in mountain biking. I think that you see it in a lot of different disciplines of cycling. So yeah, I I think it's really important to like reinforce that like, no matter what you showed up on, like, you're still here. And this trail is still for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important, and I think an area where people can get really intimidated to be like, "Oh, I don't have the the right stuff, so like I probably shouldn't go." Like, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, what kind of stuff you have? Like, as long as you feel comfortable, like on that bike in those clothes on that trail, then like this trail's for you.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're mountain biking, you're a mountain biker. You know. Yeah. (laughs) We have (laughs) so we we have some people like someday I'll be a mountain biker. It's like, did you? You rode that trail, right? You're on a mountain bike right now. You're a mountain biker. Uh, Congratulations. (laughs) Like,
0: you can be out there wearing Reeboks and eating raisins instead of in your $300 clipless pedals and your goo. Like, it's all the same. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah, case in point. I, I don't even understand what you just said, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe you. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. I'll explain it to you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll write saw, it in the show notes.
3: <laughs> we we laugh too. Ash and I particularly, and a big group of our friends that we started mountain biking with, we just love to work on features on the trail. And mm-hmm. so the end of the day is not about how many miles we did. It's about it's miles over miles. <laughs> yeah, so we'll find a feature and, you know, we, we'll, we've done this with groups and we've, we've just done this uh, personally, but we just find a feature and work through it. And sometimes everybody works through it or is comfortable with it. And sometimes we'll just kind of eye it up and, you know, start putting in some of those like ideas for maybe next time I'll hit that. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a fun experience, full of like high fives and cheers and accomplishment, and you know somebody is always feeling very proud of what what they just did, or they you know tried push their own limits a little bit, or or push their limits even for the day. Sometimes we have up days and down days, and yeah.
0: Can you so talk we, about what a feature is?
2: Yeah, so a feature like when you're on a mountain bike trail and you're like, all right, there's a bunch of dirt and whatever. For a long time. And then you get to like something else. So like a pile of rocks or a log or a pile of logs or like a wooden bridge or just like something that's, that's like different that now is like the obstacle on the trail. So we, yeah, we refer to those as features of the trail.
1: So when you say you'll try a feature, do you guys like keep trying, like you'll kind of like try it and then back up and try it again and and try it again?
2: Yeah, yep. if it looks cool, I mean, I've definitely, like, played on a pile of rocks for, like, 40 minutes before, because <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm just like, oh, these are really good rocks, and then, like, I just want to figure out, like, how to get Not every rock
0: is the same. Not
2: every rock is the same. There are definitely not good rocks out there, but, yeah, to just sort of, like, camp out on the trail and sort of, like, figure out how to hit that feature, because... I don't know, like for me personally, if I'm riding a trail, especially for the new uh, the first time, like I probably won't hit features like sight unseen, right? Like I like to sort of like stop and get off my bike and size them up, look at what the exit is, you know, like I can maybe see where you enter this feature, but maybe I can't see like where you get out of this feature and back onto the trail. So I want to know like what I need to do to get off of this bridge or pile of rocks or what have you. So yeah, I like to like stop and work on those features and figure them out. And then, you know, maybe the next time I ride that trail, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember all this stuff. I figured out like all the tips and tricks and now I can just like hit this whole thing and feel like super pro about it. That's where like I build so many skills is because... Yeah, I'll try something that I maybe don't think that I can do and I really have to figure out like what my speed is going to be, like what gear I need to be in, sort of where I need to shift my body weight and yeah, eventually like, you know, ideally get that like aha moment of like, oh, cool. I just tackled this like really challenging looking thing and maybe I'll never do it again, but at least I did it this time and like, you know, I hung out and played on yeah rocks and logs and whatever with my friends that's so
0: cool I think that's like an aspect of mountain biking that not that people who aren't really familiar like with the sport like don't realize is that it's not just biking you know a lot of us have a bike know how to bike mm-hmm. we can bike around we can imagine that mountain biking is just doing that
2: mm-hmm.
0: on a mountain <laughs> you know, or like on dirt but there's like this whole aspect of it where if you get really into it, you can like totally nerd out hardcore on it and watch a billion really great YouTube videos and like there's gear. And so like people who are into that, mm-hmm. like I think it's it's a cool like aspect of it to note that like if you want to get into mountain biking and you're one of those people who likes like a deep dive into things, like it's yeah. got that whole that whole piece to it. Or you can just go out and ride your bike on dirt.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, even in between, you can get out on the trail and just play, you know, with like no, no intentions of, you know, really hitting that trail or doing all the features. One thing I try to remind people of is don't be afraid to walk it. I purposefully put myself on trails that really push my skills. And I might, you know, I might ride some of the features, I might work through some of the features, and then I'll walk some. And I'm still, you know, I don't feel like I'm a lesser of a mountain biker because I walked, I was smart and even take yeah. cal- calculated risks. Um, but that play time, that, and there's a term for that, a lingo, it's a, it's called sessioning. If any of the listeners hear that word out there, that's where it's just playing on a feature. Like you might see people, you know, at a skate park or something doing the same spine over and over again.
1: You guys, I mean, sort of inspired by your, how you kind of came together with this because like your story, it just sort of happened, right? You realized there was a need for it. And, you know, mountain biking was behind in this area. And then a bunch of people were super interested. And we're, we know that girls are really interested in making the world better, changing things. But that can be like really daunting if they don't have money or support or they don't know how to get started. So tell us a little bit about like how you make it happen, knowing that you're kind of doing this in your, your spare time and and what that looks like?
2: We, we don't have a lot of money, but we definitely have a lot of community support. And I think that is kind of what keeps us going. Like, yeah, it would be super cool if we had like a $15,000 budget or something, but we don't, we usually have like $800, which has just historically come from like $20 donations from a lot of our friends because they just like believe in the cause and want to like help keep it going, which is really like heartwarming, you know, like, yeah, it would be cool if some brand gave us a bunch of money to just do whatever we want. But I think it's more meaningful that like, yeah, a lot of like friends and local folks are just helping us like stay afloat, (laughs) which has been yeah super super great and at the end of the day like why we're here right is to like help our friends help our community and they're they're doing the same for us so
0: and that makes you want to keep going right like seeing that support and
2: yeah for sure yeah. and you know we Steph and I are also fortunate that we have like a lot of friends that do a lot of other cool like advocacy work or like club work like this you know so we do the same for them right if they're like selling t-shirts or doing a raffle it's like oh yeah that 20 dollars that you gave me six months ago I'm just gonna give it back to you now because I'm <laughs> done with it like you can use it this time is cool like that builds community yeah I, yeah I don't know I think like defining like what success means for you as like you know, a small quote unquote business, you know, if, if you're in it because you want to like make money and get really big, like that's totally a thing that you can do. But if you're in it for like the fun and the experience and the feel good, like that's also totally a legitimate reason to like start your, your own club or what have you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So in the background, we, you know, touch base more so in the beginning we did. And then sort of at the end of each year, like what, you know, like, how did this year go? What was successful? What wasn't? What do we want to do next year? And try to manage the, you know, it's really, it's easy for me in particular to think like really big picture, like, okay, in like five, 10 years, this is, you know, what I want it to look like. But right now, you know, other than not being in pandemic times, you know, in general, we both have. Right. There's that whole know. thing too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're juggling a lot of balls right now, but in general, you know, it's it's full-time work. We both have, you know, our personal like travels and hobbies that, that we'd like to do. I have a daughter. Um, so it's just managing and we volunteer for other organizations as well. And so just kind of managing our bandwidth in a place that, we aren't going to burn out, you know, for the longevity of Midwest Dirt Legion to be smart about it, to take on as much as we can do. And, you know, I know that I have for sure found my limit of like, okay, <laughs> I need to like step back and focus on some other areas for a little bit right now. But I think that's how we've also been successful is just sort of keeping our goals manageable before COVID. And all the unrest in Minneapolis, we, uh, we had actually brought on 20 ambassadors to try to grow Midwest Dirt Legion within our community yep. be- beyond just Ash and I. And understandably, some of the, you know, uh, our whole season changed because of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. So we're hoping to pick that up next year again. And so there's, I think there's manageable ways to grow without going beyond our bandwidths and what other important priorities we have in our lives. We'll see what yeah. next year brings. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's exciting. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like a big takeaway from this is sort of, well, first of all, go for it. Like, if you're interested in something, go for it. Like, find mm-hmm. find your place. But also, if you notice, like, a gap in your community, a need that needs to be filled, maybe it's you who can fill it. Like, I think that's something mm-hmm. that is sort of exciting for people to realize is that you don't necessarily have to be like, oh man, I wish this existed. (laughs) Maybe you could make it happen.
2: You know, people, people will follow and get excited about what you're doing. You know, like as Steph mentioned, we brought on 20 ambassadors, which, you know, for us, an ambassador is someone that would like lead group rides or maybe like race with our jersey or maybe help us with like web stuff or other I don't know, like technical work or paperwork or, you know, any of that sort of stuff. Like basically, like if you wanted to be an ambassador, just tell us like what capacity you wanted to like, quote unquote, work with Midwest Dirt Legion and we'll pretty much make it happen.
3: Part of what happened is that these ambassadors, they're so amazing. Everybody spread out. It was so neat to see, you know, through, through the pandemic, like you know, kind of leading, like, okay, how do we like manage our lives now? And then through the civil unrest in Minneapolis, I just watched our ambassadors take on leadership roles uh, left and right. It was so inspiring to see them, you know, start leading like street medic teams when it needed, when it was needed, and, you know, neighborhood fire brigades and taking in donations and doing supply runs because. You know, the food supply in the affected neighborhoods were was, you know, dramatically cut off and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't have basic needs. They didn't didn't have a way to meet their basic needs. And the ambassadors have continued and I I call them the ambassadors, they're they're doing their own thing, their their, you know, personal drive, but they're just seeing this need in the community and stepping up and and doing it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a like, Hey, I have this thing and I'll you know, like Ash said people will follow and support. Oftentimes, it just needs somebody to ignite it, ignite that passion.
0: That's so like, cool and interesting that like, so you've got this great thing going, you brought all these people on to be mountain bike instructors and like event leaders and like cool representatives of your brand, but then COVID happened and then like, everything, you know, with George Floyd and the police in Minneapolis, and and you basically like, they just automatically switched priorities and your like whole organization just turned into like a social organization, you know, that's like helping their community in a different way. I just think that's so cool. I mean, it sounds very, like it happened really seamlessly, but that's pretty amazing. Like you had this group of people who got together about mountain biking, but then they're out there running food drives. So I just think that's so cool.
3: It is so amazing to um, watch them do it. So over this year, we we haven't had any events, and you know, really haven't engaged the ambassadors much at all since because we can see everybody's busy and doing things that are you know higher priority at the moment than than mountain yeah. biking. But we will we will get back to it.
1: Awesome. Well, this was such a great conversation about. Midwest Dirt Legion, it's it's just so cool. And I think like the girls who listen to our podcast will be excited to hear about it, excited to know that stuff like that exists and like excited to know that they could make something like that of their own. So it's been really inspirational. Thanks so much for talking to us about Midwest Dirt Legion and mountain
0: biking.
2: Yeah, thank yeah, you for, having, for us.
0: having us. It's been great. I think, Hannah though, it's time for our our closing yeah. activity. <laughs> <laughs> That we always do. We're going to do a would you rather. And it's generally not related at all to our conversation. So we're just going to switch gears and have a fun debate about our would you rather question. So it's been a secret to everyone. Is everybody ready? Let's ready. do it. <laughs> all right. This can, These questions can be simple or they can be very revealing. So <laughs> not to make anybody nervous, but... All right. Would you rather have everything in your house perfectly organized by a professional or have a professional event company throw the best party you've ever been to in your honor?
2: I mean, I know my answer. Go uh, for it. I would rather have an event company throw a party. But that's because I think that I'm really good at organizing. <laughs> so I, just, I don't necessarily have a need to have someone organize my stuff. But yeah, I think that I... Like a, I don't think that I would ever throw a party in my honor. I'm just like, I don't know, kind of bashful, and I would never be like, this is for me. Um, so like that. But
0: if somebody did I, it, you wouldn't say no.
2: Yeah, like that's something that I like couldn't do for myself, right? Um, <laughs> okay, noted. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's a lot of work that goes into event planning. And someone who's like thrown some small events, so yeah. If someone could, I don't know figure out like all my favorite foods and like get my favorite band somewhere and secure like a really rad venue that sounds awesome
3: I know my answer and it's kind of twofold though so I would rather have somebody organize my house for one reason because I'm not that organized because I'm always running doing other things and I just Mm -hmm. don't like automatically you know like physically know where to put my things in my house but also I really like to plan events and make them happen and like intentionally like plan that party so that my friends could come and i mean you know, i could put it under the guise for like myself but uh-huh. you know i i would like people to show up and be like i i like that thing when i pick these things very purposefully and somebody's like oh i noticed you blah 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 and this goes <laughs> together or whatever yeah. uh-huh.
0: <laughs> do you want to throw your own party and have your I, house be really neat
3: yeah <laughs> Definitely.
2: <laughs> this is
1: awesome right. because normally I'm like super decisive and like I'm the first one to answer every time. So it's kind of cool <laughs> that you guys answered first because um, yeah. A lot of times people want to like mull it over and stuff. So you were ready and it's opposite. So you guys make a good team.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ash comes over to my house and helps me organize actually. <laughs> you need to switch. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah
1: that's amazing.
3: <laughs> They've worked in my basement before. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I'm going to side with Steph and say that I would like a professional organizer. So I like my house to be really organized and like, I feel like people think I'm super organized because, like, when I'm at work, my workspace is like really organized, and that's kind of my job to like organize things. But then my house, like, very quickly falls apart and it stresses me out like crazy. But I like can't get it together. Like, I see the mess and I see the stuff, and I'm like, oh. Just like tip my house up and dump it into a dumpster and like start over. (laughs) Especially like now that we're home all the time, like, you know, my wife and I and our dog and our cat are just like in our house all the time. So it's like just it's out of control now. Probably not that bad, but I feel like it is. So I'm going to pick that. I think it would be lovely to have somebody come organize my house. So. Ash, if you're in the market.
2: Yes, freelance, organize, and clean your things. Yeah. Awesome.
0: (laughs) Uh, Although I do like a nice party. So (laughs) it's a hard question.
1: This one is actually tough for me. I think, well, okay. So I'm a major introvert. So a party does not usually sound appealing to me. However, if it's a party like designed for me, by someone who's like thinking about me in mind, it might actually be kind of cool, like in the sense that it could be built around the fact that I'm an introvert and I don't usually like parties. (laughs) So I feel like there's something appealing, like, oh, can the professional party organizer like create a party that I would be excited to go to? So that feels like a kind of cool challenge. I like organizing things. I have a small apartment, so that's also appealing. But I also kind of like organizing things as something that I do for fun. <laughs> um, so I think that like, and and I like that I know where it is. Like I did it. I feel nervous. Like a professional organizer putting it together would make me feel like, but where is it though? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know how you learn where it is. Like you'd have to like take time to relearn where all your stuff is, I think. And for me, that would be would be tough um so i think i'm gonna go with the party planner and give them the challenge create a party for me that i would really like even though i don't like parties <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but hannah had a very interesting wedding that was like totally like you and McAllister were just like this is us and come if you want <laughs> and then it was like kind of weird and awesome so yeah i think you've like already done it but
1: i would i will point to my reception as the best party i've been to so uh, i'll second that <laughs> it was now you're probably curious so i'll real quickly say that for, very for curious the, <laughs> for, it was very small and for the ceremony we wrote a play and like performed it and it was oh about <laughs>
0: it In was the a black box theater at Brent lake bowl
1: <laughs> yeah oh, and it, awesome. it was about our anxieties about getting married because being like for us the choice to get married is complicated and interesting to us. And we both have divorced parents and we made the note that actually everyone in the audience, none of them were married.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, they either
1: had failed marriages or were not married yet. So it was like, okay, we're making this decision. So anyway, so we kind of did a, pl- a play for the actual ceremony. And then our reception was at the bowling alley next door of Brian
0: Lake Bowl. Like, yeah. But so the bowling was alley was talking. still open. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was, <laughs> right? You like just we were... had... But they played our music.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for the whole bowling alley. Perfect. That's cool. That sounds like a great <laughs> wedding. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a taco bar. It was good. That's
0: perfect. <laughs> and it was like a Tuesday.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was on a weekday.
0: <laughs> I just think that's a great story. Yeah. About you throwing your own perfect party. Yeah. Yeah. So.
3: I'd I be to see
1: what uh, someone else came up with.
3: Yeah. I was gonna ask if it was like a room full of pets where all uh, the <laughs> yeah, introverts yeah. could like find their pet friend. <laughs> yeah, no problem.
0: Could, like we, hire a like a puppy company to come in.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm everybody also, hold a puppy. I'm a
1: camp director. I don't direct Outriver. I direct one of our other resident camps. And so actually also part of our wedding was earlier in the day. We did like a picnic where everybody who was gonna come to the wedding came and we did like team building games and get to know you stuff (laughs) (laughs) because it was so many different people from across our lives and they were all they didn't know each other
2: so
0: that like makes for that's like planning the perfect guests for your party later like everyone's gonna get along and know each other
3: (laughs) 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 I love it so much Uh, yeah
0: (laughs) well thanks guys this has been great and now it's time for girls pick girls pick Hi, my name is Gabby and I'm a ninth grader. These are my three picks. Atypical is a good show because it talks about high school struggles and the originals because there's many plot twists and Victorious because it's just such a great throwback. Thank you to our funders and partners that have helped make the Girls in Gear mountain bike program possible. Hugh J. Anderson Family Foundation, the Hardenberg Foundation, Quality Bike Products, Tonka Cycle and Ski, and Salsa Cycles. Girl Scouts River Valleys, with support from these companies, has made this one-of-a-kind outdoor adventure possible for girls. Together, we can ensure that every girl pushes past their limits and builds the confidence they need to take on any challenge. Girl Talk is brought to you by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Our host is Hannah Gilbert. The show is produced by Adele Erickson and edited by Sarah Michatel. For more about the podcast and our team, go to girltalk.girlscoutsrv.org. See you next time.